Well, hello there, Nebraska Cornhusker fans. Welcome to the newest edition of the Five Heart Podcast. As you can see, I am joined by our fearless leader, John Johnston. I am Todd Wolverton, a substitute hosting this evening as uh, our regular host, Greg Mahachko, has uh, has a, an unforeseen conflict. We'll just put it that way. So um, John and I are going to make this a, a two-guy program here tonight and talk a little bit about Nebraska football and maybe a few other topics. John, it is incredibly cold here in Nebraska. That's where I'm hanging my hat this week. So uh, nobody's venturing very far, at least in the last couple of days. No, you know, here's the crazy thing. It was 56 degrees on uh, Tuesday afternoon, and then it was, you know, single digits today. So uh, I'm sure you're up in balmy Chaska, Minnesota right now. It's negative two. Negative two. This is the weather that separates children from adults, boys from men, girls from women. I don't know how that works, but you know what I mean. This is this kind of weather you go out, you inhale through your nose, all your boogers freeze, and you go, God, I'm alive. <laughs> I, you know, that we're right into what January, in the midst of January. So this is right when seasonal depression hits for those people that have that. And I know a lot of people that have those, that, that issue. Yeah. I've, I've got a few acquaintances that do as well. So, well, maybe tonight we will bring, you know, a little joy to people's lives as we talk about the Nebraska Cornhuskers, um, you know, and I guess on the positive, on the positive side of things, uh, Scott Frost and his coaching staff continue to bring in some transfers through the portal. Uh, oh, oh, oh! And this week uh, he brought in uh, another quarterback, a uh, young man who uh, has four years to play, four years of eligibility uh, left. Uh, Chubba Purdy, I guess his given name is Preston, and I, I think if my mom and dad had named me Preston, I'd rather be called Chubba. Uh, anyway, so uh, we got Chubba Purdy coming in. He was um, he played at uh, Florida State this last year until he was injured. For those of you uh, familiar with uh, Big 12 football, he is the younger brother, brother of Brock Purdy, who uh, led the Iowa State Cyclones to their greatest era of college football ever. Uh, so he's coming in with um, a good pedigree, it sounds like. Also, why do, uh, they, why do they call him Chubba? I think he was like when he was a year old or something. They said he was thirty-eight pounds. He was. Oh, uh, that uh, would be. Yeah, yeah. Is instead of Chubby, is it like uh, Chubba mixed with Jabba the Hut? Well, maybe he looked like Jabba the Hut. So, <laughs> you know, that all makes sense. So, uh, <laughs> so we've 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 picked up a second quarterback and uh, you know, there were a lot of the pundits out there that uh, kind of thought that Nebraska was going to try to do that. And so uh, if that in fact was their goal, they've, I think got two that they're pretty high on uh, and hopefully uh, they fit in with the program and they're uh, going to be good, strong leaders and successful. I mean, it, think about that though. These weren't two guys that just happened to be quarterbacks. These were two fairly sought after quarterbacks by everybody else. And Nebraska got them both. I, is that Mark Whipple doing all the work? Is it 
Mickey Joseph doing all the work. I saw something about the fact that uh, Casey Thompson, you know, Charles Thompson's son came because Mickey Joseph had a connection with Charles Johnson or Thompson, his father. And then you get Chubba Purdy in there. I mean, that that's pretty impressive. Well, Chubba Purdy was recruited very heavily out of high school by Mark Whipple when he was at Pitt. So, you know, he, he there was a connection there. So, you know, um, it we'll just have to see how it all plays out. And, you know, certainly a quarterback, you know, that's the the position with the brightest spotlight on it. And now people are wondering, okay, so how many quarterbacks is Nebraska going to uh, go into uh, this, the spring training with, or spring ball with, um, you know, there are those that think, well, um, you know, Logan Smothers will, will end up going somewhere else. And, you know, who knows? I think um, you actually posted something where there are eight quarterbacks now on the roster. Uh, I was not familiar with a couple of the names that you threw out there, but uh, I think, you know, I, I recall where uh, Scott Frost had said that his goal was to have four or five scholarship quarterbacks uh, on his roster at all times. And he certainly has that now, um, you know, and, and you'd have to think that based upon the two fellows that he brought in, uh, you know, it would, it would appear then that Henry Carberg is, uh, Heinrich Carberg is, um, you know, kind of of the same mold and then maybe Richard Torres as well. Uh, Logan Smothers, he might be the, the guy that's going to need to look for a, a program that uh, plays more to his strengths, uh, who knows. But, um, you know, time will tell and we'll see what ends up, you know, happening in the quarterback position. Okay, what do you – look at last year. Look at this compared to last year. We didn't get anybody. We literally had Adrian Martinez. And right. apparently an injured with a broken jaw, Adrian Martinez, was still all better than Logan Smothers. Right, right. At least in the, in the eyes of the people who were running the football team at the time. Yes, well, so does that say something about the offensive staff we had bat last year, or does it say something about Scott Frost not managing his roster, or does that say something positive about Mark Whipple and what we brought in? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to pick one. Well, you know, it, it seems like after Scott Frost got uh, Adrian Martinez in the fold. And, you know, Adrian Martinez at the time, you know, was, uh, was uh, a pretty highly thought of recruit. And um, it seemed like ever since then, uh, Coach Frost struggled, you know, to bring in, you know, other quote unquote high caliber quarterbacks, though Logan Smothers, I believe, is a four star quarterback. You know, he yeah, he was highly recruited too. But here's the thing. I, I read something the other day that while Trevor Lawrence was at Clemson, Clemson couldn't really recruit any other quarterbacks. And now you saw Northwestern's Hunter Johnson, who originally transferred from Clemson to Northwestern, has now transferred back to Clemson. And, yeah. and Clemson had that guy last year whose name I could never pronounce. Yeah. Um, and he really didn't do that well. But I mean, it, it's not just us. It's they apparently the quarterback position is it's like the NFL. You got one guy starting and everybody else is uh, maybe not chopped the liver, but they're they're just going to sit there. Is that what's going yeah. on? 
it, it appears to be that way. And, uh, you know, while there, I don't know, were there like 45,000 players in the portal or something like that this year? I mean, some ungodly number. Uh, it, it does seem like there were a lot of formerly highly rated quarterbacks, uh, you know, on the move. JT Daniels, you know, uh, who started at Southern Cal, went to Georgia, uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't beat out Stetson, uh, the, the, the walk-on quarterback uh, of the national championship team. Um, so now he's in the portal. And speculation is that he may end up at Notre Dame or another SEC school. So, uh, you know, Caleb Williams is still out there uh, from Oklahoma, uh, though he did say when he went into the portal that, you know, he would entertain the idea of staying at Oklahoma, but nothing's been announced yet. But it must end up in Iowa. There you go. There you go. Oh, yeah, I think I think there's a good chance of that happening. <laughs> I want to go to a place and play football where the head coach controls every fucking thing I ever do and say. <sighs> anyway, well, that's them. Yep. Well, and you know, I, there are a couple other guys that uh, came in with some pretty decent hype. It sounds like as well uh, a defensive back uh, by the name of Javier Morton, who uh, came from Garden City Community College. Uh, he's a kid that played high school football in Georgia and apparently had, you know, had offers or maybe committed to Alabama um, before he ended up going the Juco route and uh, a running back from the New Mexico Military Institute uh, community college down there by the name of Anthony Grant. He, too, is a Georgia high school player. I think he went to the same high school as Gabe Irvin did. Um, who's already a a running back on the the roster. So, you know, what it looks like to me is when you throw those guys in there, you know, along with Casey Thompson, along with Trey Palmer, and along with supposedly DeAndre Jackson, and, uh, you know, the the Anthony kid from uh, uh, Oklahoma State, uh, you'd have to think that if they rated transfer portal classes like they do, you know, incoming high school players, you'd, players, you'd have to think that Nebraska looks pretty good. Uh, you know, whereas uh, what Nebraska had the worst rated yeah. uh, recruiting class in the big 10 this year, uh, perhaps Scott Frost is making up for it a little bit here in the transfer portal. Well, how are they going to do? I mean, you know, for years, the recruiting sites, there, there's always a joke on the internet. There's only two things people pay for access to on the internet, and that's recruiting or basically, uh, uh, you know, stalking young boys. Oh, jeez. And that's... porn. So recruiting and porn are the only two things people will pay for for content. So how are the recruiting services, I wonder, going to handle this from now on? Are they just going to rank recruiting classes and then rank portal classes? And They have to put this together. I'm going to spring something on you we didn't even talk about beforehand because that's how old men's mind work. They go, Hi, why did I come in this room? Where is my wallet? Oh, wait, I remember something from last week. I want you to think about this because I need to discuss this with somebody. Normally, when I am looking at 
Well, people like Bill Connolly from ESPN that, you know, started SB Nation, developed his own statistical method of measuring teams. But when you're looking at a football team and you say, I want to pick which team next year is going to big, win the Big Ten West and win the Big Ten East and win the ACC, you know, blah, blah, blah. I always personally start with, is their quarterback coming back? And the next thing I look at is, what does returning production look like? Okay? Okay. Now, when you look at our offense and look at returning production, Adrian Martinez was an enormous part of our production. So him not coming back automatically removes a whole gob of production. Statistics, right? Somebody yeah. has to throw the ball. Somebody has to run the ball as a quarterback. You know what I mean? Somebody has to score touchdowns through the air, hopefully, or on the ground as a quarterback. Hopefully not many interceptions. But when you're looking at this and you're looking at returning production, do you take, let's say, Casey Thompson's production and add it to Nebraska's? Is that a valid way of doing this? <laughs> I think See, is, I should have. I should have given you like two days to think about this. I, think no. stati- I, I would think statisticians would tell you that, that, that there's no way you can do that. <laughs> um, Why? Well, because you're comparing apples to oranges. You're adding apples to oranges. And you're kind of making all this shit up anyway, though. Well, t- yes, actually, yes. But, you know, I, I, think, I think you can make a – I think you can take the leap to look at how productive was Casey Thompson last year, but you can't draw uh, a, a you, you, you can't substitute his production in for um, Adrian Martinez. You, you, you can't, um, you can, you could perhaps consider it. And I would have to think that you would want to be, that you would be a bit optimistic uh, about him being, you know, the starting quarterback and, and how well he performed down there. But, you know, the truth of the matter is there will be a whole new offense with with a number of new uh, key parts. Uh, How well is that team going to work as one unit Um, when they play over in Dublin? Who knows? Who knows? My guess, and, and you know, I've, I've, I'm not, uh, obviously, I've, I've not been a head college football coach. My guess is, is that spring practice this year will look different than in years past. And I would guess that on the offensive side of the ball, there will be a very strong commitment to, in reality, prepping this team for the first game of the season. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. I mean, as ridiculous as that sounds, you know, rather than going into spring and giving all of these players, all of these reps and really trying to get a gauge of what you have, you know, from the big picture perspective. Now they'll have to do some of that. Otherwise it would be, you know, that wouldn't be good, but I truly believe that there is going to be that, that Scott Frost feels so much pressure to succeed this fall that 
there will be a, it will be very intentional figuring out, not, not just figuring out who are your going, who are going to be your, um, you know, maybe you're too deep, you know, across the board on offense, but truly installing the offense that Mark Whipple brings and, and working very, very hard to master some aspects of that offense. You know, that's again, remember through 2020, I kept saying Scott Frost was playing these games like he was playing scrimmages. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's still what he kind of did, I, I think, for a fair amount of last year, except for the quarterback position. It was like, well, let's try these guys and see what they do. Let's try these plays and see what they do. It was like he was constantly fucking around with an offense and just to see what would happen. Like he had forever to figure this shit out. Well, my biggest complaint about the Illinois game last year that we lost, that we knew we really had to win, was they didn't run any misdirection at all. And Illinois' defense sold out against the run. And they forced, they wanted to force Adrian Martinez to beat him through the air. And, and he did no misdirection runs. He did no like options, counters, no reverse, nothing. That was one of the most vanilla. That was one of the most vanilla call offensive games that I've seen Scott Frost call. I mean, it was was shitty. Yeah. And it was, it was almost like, well, we don't want to play any of our cards today. You know, we need to, we need to, you know, hold some of these back for games that really matter later in the year. Well, shit. Uh, (laughs) Beating beating Illinois in that first game this year may have, uh, may have resulted in a different season. But do you think they should get rid of the game in Dublin and bring it home? You know, there are people that are saying that they should. Um, one of the reasons they're saying that is because of, you know, the just the mess that COVID still right. presents. Uh, and who knows where we're going to be in August. Um, we all I, think that this should be over, but nobody can say yes. But we were only supposed to have like two weeks to flatten the curve. i'm sorry i'm laughing that's so tragic well Uh, the curve where i'm at looks like this (laughs) um yeah i think the key is i mean and god i don't want to go down this yes we're going down this road todd you saw what happened in australia to this serbian dude that was the tennis player yeah, and Djokovic. And they they jerked him around, jerked him around, jerked him around. As they, they should finally, have. They finally fucking did. No, they shouldn't have. They should have had their shit together in the first place. Their government should have had one policy that said, oh, by the way, you can't come because X. Not, yeah. Oh, yeah, get here and then we'll fuck with you. <laughs> what are they going to do? That's the problem that I have with us going to Dublin for the first game. Well, I don't think Ireland's full of crazy people, but on the other hand, I've known some Irish people, and they're fucking crazy. Well, I, I tell you what, <laughs> there's there's an incredible bounty uh, amount of money invested, in, in that trip, and you know, it, it's just <laughs> I don't want to get too far off task here, but should they really be having the Olympics starting February 4th? I mean, are you flipping kidding me? NBC now has announced they're not even sending announcers over there. And well, it's in China, right? Yeah. In Beijing. You never know what the fuck China is going to do about anything. But here, here's the thing. Here is the thing. 
that Olympic Games is going to be bare bones, more so than what we saw in Tokyo. And <laughs> fans are not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, NBC has a commitment that they pretty much have to stand behind. And I I have never been less interested in an Olympic games than I am right now. So I guess the analogy I'm trying to draw here is it'd be interesting to know how many people have bought packages to travel to Dublin. You know, I've been on the record. I would love to go. And, And in fact, Given the opportunity right now, I think I, if, if I could, I would go. Um, I'm not going to buy a package. I want to buy a ticket and do my own planning, you know, handle my own travel and, and do what I want to do over there rather than be part of the package deal. But, um, you know, I got to believe that there's some skepticism here, uh, you know, on behalf you'd, of, of Nebraska you'd, fans. You'd think that... Um... Well, you know, you, got, you know what I had today at lunch? I had a discussion with a customer about contingency planning, and I bring this up every once in a while. You know what contingency planning is, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. You, yes, you do. You would, right? You have to plan for every fucking scenario of an outcome, of an event, regardless of how probable it is. Every possible. See, there's two things that go into life, right? We're going with <laughs> Greg isn't here to pull us back out of this fucking rabbit hole. Let's just go. But there's two, right? There's two ways that you can look at events happening. Like for me, when I do IT stuff, I look at, okay, what happens to this business if you don't have backups? You know, are you going to survive as a business? What could happen to the business? Okay, you got floods, tornadoes, hurricanes. I once sat at a customer who has a, a, their company is right under the flight path of the airport. And I said, well, what happens if a plane hits this building and kills everybody in it? And one of the guys turns and looks at me and he goes, well, we don't think about that. And I said, we're fucking, we're disaster planning. You don't think, you don't get to not think about things that are not pleasant. You got to put everything in there. And then you pull this stuff out that's way low probabilities and you keep up. What is the probability of the things we think are most likely to happen up here? Right? Sure. Yes. <laughs> you're just going with me on this trip. On this I, I am because trip. I think what you're trying to get to is a contingency plan for Nebraska playing in Dublin. And, yeah. And at, at what point does, you know, what would have to happen for Nebraska to pull the plug on that? And I, I'll tell you what, I think if, if, if we haven't learned anything else um, relative to how big time sports have dealt with the virus and the pandemic and all of that kind of stuff is that the almighty dollar speaks louder than science and uh, medical professionals. So, you know, I understand that the NBA, you know, has, has uh, at, from time to time, you know, this year, maybe there've been, a, you know, players that haven't played and, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but they're, but the majority of the games are still being played. And, you know, when you look at the NFL, they're in the middle of the playoffs right now. Hell, they're not going to, they're not going to cancel a game. They're not going to postpone a game. Those games are going to happen. You know, the powers that be have made the decision that we can live with this. We can live with this. So I would have to think it would only, the only thing that would keep Nebraska from going over to Ireland 
is if uh, the Irish government were to yeah. say, nope, nobody's yeah. flying in here. Right. And, and that's that's the only thing that will stop it. And I think I, I don't think you could take for granted some Irish guy going, yeah, everything's fine. Because <laughs> that's well, what happened in Australia, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, England's been pretty tight with some of their protocols over there. Yeah. And um, so who, who knows what's going to happen. But, you know, maybe I jumped to the conclusion, you know, that the only reason that Nebraska should consider not going would be because of COVID. Are there other reasons why Nebraska should not can should should consider trying to get out of that game if they could. I'm I'm letting what I want to say die in my mouth because it'll be because of whatever virus they decide to release next. The globalists that want to control us all, Todd. That's what it is. Okay, let's move on. Would you like me to drag us back from this hellhole we are standing on the edge of? Sure. Let's talk okay. about let's talk about the future of the transfer portal. <laughs> let's talk about you know the impact the transfer portal is having on college football. Well, that's just it. You, what is the question? Is the transfer portal the preferred way of building a team now? Scott Frost has made it that way. In fact, Scott Frost came out, you know, I, I, last season, maybe the season before. I mean, he was kind of ahead, ahead of the curve, you know, with his philosophy. And he said, you know, in essence, we're going to reduce the number of scholarships we give to high school players. And we're going to allocate a higher percentage of those scholarships to the transfer portal. So, you know, I would expect to see, as long as Scott Frost is head coach at Nebraska, that'll be the philosophy that Nebraska follows. Um, they've been very aggressive. They've brought in some players that uh, appear to be uh, highly skilled, you know, players that were sought after at one time or another. And that's how Scott Frost is going to build his, build his roster. Now, what I find kind of interesting about that is there were a lot of people that have, you know, back in the day, you know, with, with, you know, when the only way you brought it, well, not the only, but virtually the only way you brought a transfer in was from a community college, JUCO players. You know, there was, there was a, you, you had a bad taste in your mouth. I mean, you know, Bill Snyder, he's the one that figured right. it out down at yeah. K-State. I mean, he's one of the few people that experienced a great deal of success. And, in fact, you'd have to say, you know, he built a winning program at Kansas State on the backs of a number of junior college players. He, he had it figured out. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Scott Frost appears to made that commitment. And so that's well, why, why would you do this versus recruiting? Because for one thing, you have a more mature player. Well, that's a good point. Who's been in a weight room, you know, for two, maybe three seasons or more. So you've got, uh, you know, you got a bigger body, stronger body. You've got some experience, uh, whether they've had many game reps or not, they've been, you know, on the practice field and that type of thing at the college level. Okay. So theoretically that should be a, a, a more prepared player. Uh, that's one reason to do it. Uh, the other reason to do it is because apparently Nebraska right now is not a, a place that is really attractive to four-star and five-star recruits. Uh, <laughs> he has you know, coming out of high school. Uh, those four and five-star recruits are dazzled by, um, 
you know, Kirby Smart and uh, uh, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and, and some of those guys, um, they are, are able to, um, they're very appealing to those kids and those programs are very appealing. So, you know, you can look at it the other way. Well, you know what? We'll see which ones of those are disenchanted by the circumstances they find themselves in. And we'll pick them off when they, you know, walk away and go into the portal. So and I think it, it's, well, I guess if that's the change, that's the change, isn't it? I, I've got to believe because, you know, there are a lot of coaches that have expressed frustration with this. Um, I, I don't know the portal you know, who knows next year, but I, I don't, you know, two, three years from now, I don't see the portal the same as it is right now. I think somehow they're going to, somehow they'll put some kind of controls on it. I don't know what that would look like, or maybe it will self-correct because, and I've, I've mentioned this before, there's a, a very high number of players that go into that portal that in essence walk away from the sport of football. Of, of college football because right. nobody, nobody picks them up. Right. And, and, you know, there are a lot of teams out there that aren't just going to take, you know, any walk on, on their roster just because he walked away from, or, you know, left um, Nebraska or whomever it might be. I had a thought and then it went away, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, I, yeah, why am I in this room? <laughs> You know, remember the here's the thought. Do you remember? I mean, years ago, you know, I sound like the old die guy I am now. But what was the year where they cut it down to like 85 scholarships? Because I mean, when we like in the in when Tom Osborne was as young as Scott Frost is, you could just have 700 players on your roster if you yeah, wanted you to. Well, and there's a lot of stories about how some of those coaches would just stack up recruit after recruit with the sole intention of keeping them from going somewhere else. Right. You know, and yeah. And now you've come down to 85 scholarships and, and Nebraska is over that by the way, but that's a different subject later on. Um, I don't know. It's so many changes just in college football, I guess in our lifetime, I guess there's been a lot of changes in the world that shouldn't be that shocking, but uh, huge changes this year all at once. Right. And right. a lot of those, I mean, a lot of those kids that are probably in the portals are also there because, you know, during COVID, they couldn't visit the school that they went to. Yeah. And they get to that school and go, I really don't want to be here. Yeah, no, I think I think that that's a legitimate reason that there are quite a few of them there as well. Um, sure. You know, and maybe, you know, they were recruited, you know, on Zoom or on cell phones and that kind of stuff. And you really didn't uh, have a chance to interact much with coaches. Um, and yeah, I, I could see that. And, and maybe that'll level off, you know, in the, in the future, it, it might. So. On the, on the other hand, I don't think you're going to see any change in the quarterback position. I mean, the NFL is like, you look at the NFL, right? Who are the best NFL teams? The best NFL teams are the ones that have the best quarterbacks. It's not even really, I mean, is it right? There's not even a choice there. So there's not even a, a question of that being the case. The quarterback is so important to those football teams that that is the position you have to get right as an NFL team to be successful. You know, maybe the only case I can think of is who was it? Baltimore Ravens and uh, Trent Dilfer. Was it? It's been a while. 
<laughs> it really wasn't that great, but he won the Super Bowl because he could manage the offense and their defense was like, you know, Ray Lewis and destroying people left and right. But um, I, it, is the quarterback, I guess, yeah, I, maybe the Georgia-Alabama game showed somewhat that really the quarterback position is really becoming way, way more important. Or Trevor Lawrence to Clemson probably is a well, better example. Okay, the so quarterback yeah. position is so important in college football, way more than it used to be. But but let's look at that national championship game for a minute. Um, you had the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, was you know which would indicate he if he's not the best quarterback, um, he's right there. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Against what? I, why am I drawing a blank on this kid's last name? Stetson Barnett. Bennett, is that his Bennett, Bennett. Bennett? Stetson Bennett. Okay. Stetson Bennett. I'm not sure Stetson Bennett is top five. I would question if he's top 10, maybe even top 15, top 20, right. as far as, you know, quote unquote, the best quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett played an incredible game that night. Uh, but there were a lot of other in that game. And we don't need to replay that game in that game. The best team won. The best team won that game that night. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to totally refute what you say, because I, I do believe that, you know, the quality of quarterback is incredibly important. Um, but I, I think, you know, geez, Louise, we've, we've, you know, John, you and I have watched a lot of Nebraska football, a lot of Nebraska football. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen Matt Terman. Uh, show up down at Kansas State and lead this team to a win, you know, or at least got them far enough into the game, you know, where Brooke Berenger could walk out there with one lung and 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 save it, you know. Number three, number two quarterbacks on the team, uh, you know, we we saw uh, the Kellogg kid, you know, come out and uh, throw a hail mary pass and beat uh, Northwest, yeah. you know. All those years of Tom Osborne not wishing winning a national championship until he got Tommy Frazier. So maybe and, the quarterback has been that important for that long, and I just uh, – maybe – I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess <clears throat> what, what concerns me is, you know, you watch a lot of the NFL teams, and, you know, if, if they lose, you know, I mean, especially those that have really good quarterbacks, you know, if they lose that quarterback, they suck. And – you know, it's, it's, you know, going from a potential, you know, division champion team, or at least a playoff team, you know, down to absolute mediocrity. Uh, it, it's hard for me to believe that there's that big a gap, you know, between those guys. Um, but I, I wept, I wept for Bill Belichick. I, uh, Get, getting I, his ass kicked. You, oh, well, well he, he got his ass kicked. Um I'd, I'd hate to, see, you know, with in college football, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. But, you know, as it is right now, uh, the fact that you have two, two big bullies on the block, uh, it, it, until, until these other schools get it figured out and can compete with them recruiting across the board, Georgia and Alabama are going to dominate. They just are. So – if Scott Frost is going to build his team off the transfer portal, 
I don't know. Maybe maybe the key here is that he has to build the team that can win the Big Ten West, and he gets out of the way of the offense. <laughs> right? What Mark Whipple runs the offense. Everybody's like copacetic on the offense, and we have an offense that scores 35 to 40 points a game, which we're going to need. All right? And we get to the level of the winning the Big Ten West consistently. Does that mean the four and five stars are going to start coming to Nebraska? Will we then be desirable? And we will be able to develop them because we'll I think if learn. Nebraska, if I think if Nebraska can start, you know, competing for the Big Ten West, and you know, win it a few times. If you have a Mickey Joseph, if you have a Bill Bush, if you have those kinds of guys that are you know top notch recruiters, I think the potential is there to bring in, you know, some of those high powered recruits. I, I think that exists. But so you think uh, Scott Frost is going to get it together and become a good coach? <laughs> I just lead you down these paths to hell. Well, John, last week, last week I said that I wasn't, you know, I was going to quit drinking in February and I wasn't going to talk about Scott Frost. So I, I, I guess, I guess it's not February. No. <laughs> Time will tell. Time will tell. But, you know, as I said, you know, I, OK, so I'll go down that rabbit hole a little bit. I said this, you know, uh, back before, you know, probably back in November, uh, December. What worries me, you know, this is when he, you know, got rid of those four offensive coaches. OK, so he gets rid of those four offensive coaches. And even before, you know, I knew who they were bringing in, I thought, you know, OK, so this is what's going to happen. You know, because of the schedule next year and, you know, just if he gets average guys coming in and they can put together a team, this team ought to be a, a winning team. It, you know, Nebraska, when you look at things on paper, they should win more games than they lose next year. Right. And to me, that sends <laughs> my opinion is that that sends, you know, a false um, sense of success, you know, because, and, and so then we become Iowa. Well, yeah. Um, and that guy got extended. We didn't talk about that. Did we? I'll take nine or 10 wins. Like I always had. <clears throat> Would you know? I mean, they got, they scored three points against Michigan, Yeah, three points in the big 10 title game. Their coach got a big extension, a huge raise. And he gets to keep his son, who is a shitty offensive coordinator. And I got ripped. I went out on Twitter and posted that congratulations on staying average. And all the Iowa fans came after me. And oh, one, of the, one of them was a coach. Okay. One of them was a coach. And I replied to him and I said, you know, when you guys compare yourselves, you never, you never see Iowans comparing themselves to Michigan or Ohio State, do you? They never do that. They say they come back at us and go, well, we're better than you. Great. Good job. You're better than suck. You know, well, this is the worst 20 years of our history. And in that 20 year life, in that 20 year time that Kirk Ferentz has been around, what's he won of any substance whatsoever? And it's a bowl trophies. No, that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, like you, I am absolutely, but. <laughs> we should we should do the hate Iowa week. You know, we should have one of those nights. But to me, 
that epitomizes it's every day, Todd. It's every day. <laughs> to me, to me, the fact that he got that raise and got that extension, that just brings once again, and this has happened time after time, it brings to the surface the corruption of Gary Barta and that athletic department. Um, that athletic department is uh, is as corrupt as they come. Uh, you know, those Title IX lawsuits there against them, you know, uh, they're, they're, every bit of that is deserved. And, uh, you know, it, it's it epitomizes that kind of a culture over there. Um, not only does he get his extension and his raise and security for his son, the pathetic offensive coordinator, then he goes and dissolves an advisory. Well, he now he came back and said he misspoke. Right. Okay. But he initially <laughs> dissolves an advisory committee that they committed to because of the action that was taken with all of the racial problems that they had. And, be, and then he backtracks and basically says, well, we're not dissolving it. We're just going to restructure it. And in essence, what he's going to do is he's going to put yes men on that committee, you know, uh, rather than, you know, some guys that were objective, some former alums who, you know, has the, the best thing for the program was for them to get a new football coach and a new athletic director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a cancer over there. And I, I liked, you know, the, the, the tweet I saw somewhere and they said, well, you know, where's Chris Doyle? You know, is he, is he hanging around there, you know, coaching kids in the, you know, in the maintenance shop? <laughs> you know, they got him hidden over there somewhere. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, um, yeah, well, we can bash Iowa with all, all we want, but bottom line is they've kicked our ass for six or seven years straight. And until we beat them, we don't have a, a hell of a lot to stand on. So I don't know. Yes, all we, we do. We, we won't settle, hopefully. That's what I worry about. There you go. It's, it's there settling. You go. Well, and, and you know, I don't because I think when you look at a university, you know, most universities will say we strive for excellence. And then you look at them and you go, do you really? Do you really strive for excellence or you just strive to be good enough? Because I think when you strive for excellence, it means that as a university, you're going to go out and try to have the best journalism department you can have. You know, it might not be the best in the nation, but you're going to have the best one you can build. And you're going to build the best electrical engineering department, the best computer science department, the best art department. It doesn't mean, ah, shit, these are good enough. Let's just stay here. You know what I mean? And that should be true for athletic departments with 22 teams. Well, I think I think that, you know, what we've heard out of Trev Alberts in the last week or so um, would send the message that he's, he's intent on Nebraska upping their game. You know, Nebraska, you know, having an athletic department that is focused on excellence. Um, you know, he, I, I, one of the, one of the writers, you know, uh, had a headline along the lines that uh, in essence, Hoiberg and Frost uh, shouldn't be real comfortable, you know, and right. um, I, you know, I, there's, there's so much more to all of that than, you know, making a simple statement that, you know, the AD is going to, you know, keep their eye, his eye on them. 
um, or, or is the AD is not afraid to make change or, or whatever it might be. It's a lot more complex than that. But Scott, or excuse me, Trev Alberts, with you know the survey that came out about stadium improvements and and a lot of that type of thing, you know I think that he is and and I'm going to put my personal beliefs on the side here, but Scott or excuse me I keep saying Scott Frost Trev Alberts is in essence saying um, we're going to go in with uh, we're, we're we're joining this arms race we're going to commit 100% to this arms race. But I also think that he is keenly aware of the fact that Nebraska has a finite number of financial backers. Right. And they and, 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 and they're going to have to look for some additional ways to generate revenue. Uh, Nebraska cannot compete with the big boys unless they can, you know, keep stride or stay in stride financially. Uh, you know, they're building this big football palace, you know, $150 million or whatever it is. Uh, that's one step, but it, it goes, it goes deeper than that. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's been interesting to listen to various people talk about some of these ideas that were in the survey about, you know, changing Memorial Stadium. Um, but I think Trev Alberts is going to commit to at least doing, you know, building an infrastructure so that Nebraska can compete. That's a pretty big chunk of the pie. Um, I think that there are some other variables out there that are going to be more difficult to overcome or to deal with um, so that Nebraska can, can be competitive. I mean, you know, John, back when we were in school and granted, we were in the, you know, we were going to Nebraska when they were in the big eight and, and times have changed significantly since then. But, you know, when they start talking about, I don't know if it's the Sears trophy anymore or whatever the hell they call it, you know, that measure of all sports excellence in all sports, Nebraska is towards right. the bottom of the big 10. Right. That's, that's discouraging. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of reasons that that's the case, and I'm not sure some of them can be overcome. You know, one of the big reasons, Todd, is Nebraskans aren't screwing enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not the way I was going to refer to it, but the fact <laughs> that Nebraska's population is so much lower than the power players in the Big Ten. We just do not have the population. We don't have the economy. Um, we don't have we don't have a lot of what those universities and those university communities have. And you know, people can say, well, you know, it's not any different than it was back in you know 1994, 95. You know, it's no different than yeah, it is. It's a hell of a lot different. Um, college football is big business. It, it is, um, it, it operates like corporate America and, uh, there is so much money involved anymore that if you don't have, uh, an infrastructure, if you don't have, uh, you know, a, a population that can support and sustain, you're going to be looking up at, at everyone else. Okay. Should, should we be close to ending? 
We probably should. Otherwise, I'm going to pull you down this this rabbit hole of population. Well, I, I think I think you know when <laughs> we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier when we were talking about the you know the the game in Ireland, uh, but you know here we are dealing with uh, circumstances that <laughs> I guess maybe they are becoming normal. But you know the women's basketball team was scheduled to play Rutgers tomorrow. That's not going to happen because uh, Nebraska has entered you know the COVID. Uh, COVID protocol, um, you know, it's, I, I think be, being, being a head coach has got, and, and, a, and an athletic trainer, <laughs> those are, those are two incredibly stressful jobs right now, based upon um, all of the circumstances they have to deal with. So. It's a little, it's a little nuts. Yes. Well, okay. So you think we need to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Well, I mean, we can go on, but we have an old off season and, and yeah, I, it isn't like that. It's not like the men's basketball team is doing us any favors here. Yeah. I wasn't even going to, I wasn't even going to use the, the word tonight, but. Uh, what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Okay. I didn't say anything. There you go. Well. <laughs> There's nobody home. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we appreciate you hanging in there with us. Uh, for this edition of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, Todd Wolverton for John Johnson, uh, reminding you that Five Hearts is all of the heart that you need. John? Go Big Red! At least you remember Go Big Red. The ending. I can never we'll see you again next week. <laughs> I can never remember what we're supposed to say. Okay. That, that's it. I'm going to stop.